A big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iFreaks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration, delivery, and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with App Center, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Hello and welcome to iFreaks. This is episode 242 and we'll be talking today with Andrew McKnight. Our panelists today include James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. And the always cool Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. And our guest today is Andrew McKnight. Say hi and introduce yourself. Hi, from Alamosa, Colorado. Happy to be here. Well, this is a really interesting episode this week because we're going to be talking about shockwaves in the Swift Evolution community. And this all starts a few weeks ago. So, Andrew, could you talk about what happened back then, what your talk was, and why I responded to you and pushed you into all of this? Of course. Um, a few weeks ago, we attended iOS Dev Camp Colorado, and I prepared a talk about an experiment or a survey that I had been running uh, to look at open source Swift's repositories, see what people are doing in terms of how they're extending the Swift language or foundation or standard library, and try to aggregate those things to paint a picture just of the, the general evolution of Swift. And I had an inkling that this would be very helpful to generate proposals. And uh, I was excited to see Erica uh, was coming to that, uh, that conference because she validated my suspicions and now we've uh, got quite a few discussions going on on the Swift forums. Now, a lot of people who are going to be listening to the podcast today aren't really familiar with a lot of what you're talking about. So could you tell us first more about what your survey was, what it was that you were surveying, and what your goals were? Sure. So it, it's dealing with the Swift language. Uh, it's open source. They've got a few mechanisms for extending the language in the standard library. And when I started the survey, the goal was more in terms of utility libraries, uh, because I've got one that I that I develop and use, and I've kept a running collection of other people's. And I've also had a lot of debates over whether utility libraries should be things that exist or not. Um, so originally, I was just focused on repositories that were delivering these sort of libraries. Um, now it's sort of now it's grown into just general purpose Swift repositories because people are are doing these extensions. And and when I say extensions, what I've been looking at in particular are declarations using Swift's extension keyword. So they've baked into the language this idea that you can take any class or struct or what have you, any declaration, and you can tack things onto it. And so people I use do that. this mm -hmm. 
to create libraries that are convenience libraries, things that help with strings or dates or things like that, right? That was the idea, yes. So that's that's what I initially focused the effort on. Uh, on the first post we we put onto the forum, um, Ted Kremenik himself came in and suggested that that was probably overfitting for what I was really looking for, which is just to see how the language in general is evolving in the wild. So now I'm expanding the search to any open source repository I can find. And let me point out, Ted is the um, maintainer. He's the head guy when it comes to the Swift open source language. So he is the man who is in charge of Swift, correct? That's my understanding. The man himself. <laughs> so what was that like when uh, he and Chris Latner and a few others weighed in? What did that feel like? Uh, that was very exciting. And uh, it made me a little nervous because I, I kind of got an idea that it, w it could turn into a lot of uh, responses and, you know, a lot of work <laughs> for me, which is, is somewhat true. Um, it's certainly uh, generated a lot of excitement and a lot of discussion, but having them, having their attention was just very gratifying for me because those are the kind of people I'm trying to reach with, with these findings. I'm not necessarily out to change the language itself, but I wanted to give people tools to discuss it. But let's go back. You were saying your initial search was on utility libraries. So how did you run that search? I started out uh, just playing around with GitHub's web search and took that over to their uh, their search API so I could script it. Uh, came up with a set of keywords that I thought would represent how people name the repositories that would contain that kind of library. So if the repository name had util in it, um, that would that would get me anything with utility, utils, and so on. Uh, I use framework library and a couple other synonyms. And that got me about 5,000 or so repositories, uh, keeping in mind that when you're using GitHub's search API, they restrict you to the first 1,000 results for any given search. And to kind of whittle away, whittle down to get those libraries. I, I only looked at repos that had pod specs in them. Uh, the idea there was that people were intentionally crafting this code base to be delivered as a library to help others. And so you went to GitHub, you looked through all these repositories, and you found ones that were specifically designed to vend utility functions. So what did you do next? So after spending a few days cloning all these repositories, I, uh, I did some filtering to get rid of some code I didn't think I would want. Uh, I, I removed any example directories that would that would hold apps that were just sort of um, demonstrate the MVP of the library. Uh, there were so there were a whole lot of those, and also any d other dependency directories if they brought in their own pod dependencies, for example. And then I. Paired, I parsed all the remaining Swift code using the Swift compiler itself. It has a flag on it called um, print AST. So that gets rid of any comments or implementation code and gives me just the lines for any declarations of structs, uh, classes, and extensions. And that's when things started getting cool, right? Right. Once I, uh, once I did that, I was able to pretty easily... Uh, search through the text that was output by that AST printing and 
do it's because it outputs in a canonical form. I could just do simple string comparisons, count up the number of unique declarations. And that brings us pretty close to where we're at today with those discussions. So what all of this work did is it found out, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it found out what are the things that the entire Swift community in the deployed world agree on are things that they need to do their day-to-day programming, right? That's right. And one of one of the ideas I had going into the whole thing was that people are writing the same sorts of things over and over, and they probably don't realize that they're doing it in a lot of cases. Uh, but regardless of what of the intention, we did find that uh, for a couple popular APIs and foundation, uh, there are a lot of the same extensions. And even for simple things, um, the implementations were almost identical. Now, for people who aren't in the Swift world yet, there is an Objective-C example that just falls so beautifully into this discussion, which is first and last for Array. Do you remember... Um, I don't know if you've done any Objective-C development or your background, but a while back, Apple introduced FIRST for arrays. And a lot of it came from the fact that so many people had it in their own extensions in Objective-C. Did you see or have in your mind that the same sort of thing might happen with Swift, that you could take these really popular APIs and then bring them into the official world and make them canonical and blessed? I, I remember when that was introduced in Objective-C, but I was not aware that that was the process uh, they used to come to, to that result. Um, so that's encouraging to know that you know, this is somewhat of a vetted process. So well, the funny thing about that is that first object in Objective-C was actually there for a long time, it was, but it was not in the headers, it was private. So when they did finally release it for real they said oh and by the way you can actually deploy this back like like at the time like three versions on older os's because it had actually still been there that's a cool bit of trivia and correct me if i'm wrong but last object actually came a bit later after first object is that true no last object had been around and it was annoying because they were both useful and last object was there. And it was like, why does first object not exist? Uh, okay. and, and I, had I think the other way around. I, I and everyone that was writing Objective-C did make a category with, with you know, some variation of first object. And I think it just one, seemed obvious. One of the one of the first or one of the most terrifying bugs I ever encountered was an app that had done that, had created their own first, but done it wrong. So whenever they switched over, like iOS 8 maybe, the app just started crashing. So I had to... Like, How do you get that wrong? <laughs> it's like, they, a, they, it's they like a one-line thing. They, they forgot the, the first one. They forgot the array could be empty. That was a good two days oh, searching oh. for that. It was some random cocoa pod. Anyway. Ouch. <laughs> what, what are some of the popular extensions that people are doing? Like what is commonly getting redone over and over again? So the number one foundation API that was extended was string. And the number one most popular extension function on it was trim. So that's where we've gotten started with a lot of our discussion. And, and that's actually generated multiple generations of forum posts. Now, we've got a post that's talking about 
the trim function itself. And that's that spurred a new conversation for um, deciding what is white space in Swift. It's sort of the discussion that, that became a monster. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree with that. So before we even go there, let's talk about like what trim is. Because I don't, I don't know that it's exactly agreed on between different languages. I, I, I try and use it, and I think I know what it means. Then I read the docs in some other language, and it's not right. Like, what is trim? What are they trying to do with it? I know trim from my PHP days. <laughs> but well, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you what the most popular implementation of it was, and going off of that, we can maybe try to, we, we could at least get the popular vote for what trimming is. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's start there. Okay, give me one second to pull that back up here. Yeah, anytime you need something, edit it out. Let me know. I can drop it in. I'm, okay. I'm taking notes. This would be okay. a perfect example. And uh, Jane, could you re-ask the question when Andrew's ready? Okay. What was the question? Um, what what does it mean to trim a string? So uh, I'm ready when you are. Okay. So let's step back or a little could... bit and let's talk. What what is trim or what does that actually mean? Because I've used it in a number of different languages, and it always seems to mean something different than I, what I think it is. Um, that's a good point. That it's there are different uh, versions of it across the languages, um, and I usually reduces me to just experimentally verifying what it's doing. Um, and like I said, a lot of the implementations for simple things were almost identical. So I could tell you in this case um, what the the top implementation was doing for these trim functions. Um, so there were eight that had the exact same line of code that would trim any character uh, that matched a character in NS character set dot white spaces. It's interesting to note that there were others that that not only did just white spaces character set, but white spaces and new lines. So that was really the only difference in implementation there. And I think today that would probably get you the same result. But the danger there is that once white spaces and new lines changes, you could have diverging behavior um, between this collection of functions. Now, Unicode does have a specification. I believe it's Unicode uh, classification Z, like zebra, or Z if you're in Canada, <laughs> which um, describes what a white space is. So I gather people are using the character set because it was there and it was convenient rather than trying to create you know, their own standard space thing. The, the functionality is built into traditional Cocoa Foundation, but they were saying that it's too much bother to keep rewriting this over and over again. So they created a convenience function. Am I understanding that correctly? I would, I would assume that that is the case. And also, again, keeping in mind that these are all libraries of pod specs. Uh, not only are these people reusing it for themselves, but they're saying, hey, uh, other people who'd like to do this. I've already solved the problem. So here's my solution. Now you mentioned that you did get some feedback that deliberately targeting 
utility libraries could be problematic. So what's the reasoning behind that? Right, uh, and, and that's something I agree with now looking back kind of on the whole path that I've taken to get here. Um, a lot of people you know, could just be interested or even constrained to just solving the problem that they're trying to solve without all, all the extra overhead of distributing it as a fully featured and maintained library. So there could be a, a lot of interesting and maybe unique extensions that are just hiding in people's apps themselves. So that's what I intend to find next. One of the core values for Swift evolution, the process that evolves the Swift language, is its maxim that says solve real problems, not theoretical problems. Do you think these utility libraries were sourced from solving people's real world problems? Or do you think that people were just brainstorming about possible useful things to throw into the library? That's a tough judgment call to make. I'm, I'm not sure I would want to go there. Um, that being said, just with the collection of extensions that I found and some of the function names, there's, there's some highly specialized things going on. Um, at least in the past, it's been a, it's been a mix. We have some developers that want to just create a library like, oh, we should have this type of extensions on this type of thing. Like Objective-C, you had people that wanted Ruby type list operations, and they just create a whole library for that. Did anyone use it? Um, some people did. Did they use everything? No. On the other hand, you have people that are, are scratching their own itch, saying, let's just do that, and oh, maybe it's generic enough, we can share it. Um, on the very far end of that is people just doing very specific stuff that is just for their own internal thing. Um, but you know that might get pushed out to GitHub anyway just just because someone else might be working on that real specific thing, that real specific problem. Yeah, yeah and, and some of these could just be side effects of people hosting their own internal pod spec repositories. At, and even though this is open source, it was really meant just for their team to share instead of the whole world. Um, that, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, do you see orgs like that that are doing that? I've... I've worked in a few, and I don't really have a need to do it myself yet, but I've considered it. So what's the overall goal of collecting all this information, and what's causing all the, all the, all the drama in the Swift world? So I think um, a fair amount of, of it could just be explained by curiosity. I wanted to see. I had a couple of hypotheses, and I wanted to see if I was really right about that. I don't know if I've answered all of them 100%. Um, because of, you have the questions of things like, are people sharing this on purpose? Or is it just open source by default and it's out there for people to see? Um, people I'm not sure. To, to pay for the GitHub membership? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, why not? Um, it's kind of a win-win in that situation. But, I, you know, again, I had the idea that we're solving a lot of the same problems over and over Um there could be better or worse implementations or even dangerous implementations. And if we can highlight the, the most popular types of extensions and put them into a more vetted form like the foundation or the standard library, uh, we, could, we could reduce some of the danger of using third-party libraries and also just save people time. That's my biggest thing. That's why I write software is because I want to save people time with the tools that I create. 
You mentioned wrong or even dangerous implementations. Did you come across anything like that during your research, uh, like wrong implementations of things or dangerous ones? I, I came across, you know, I haven't done a ton of um, spelunking implementations, uh, but when I was putting together the talk for iOS Dev Camp Colorado, I did uh, I did the string trimming, and then I did another one uh, for UI View, um, where people were trying to remove all subviews of a of a view, and there uh, the implementation started to diverge a little more. And I did find a few that it it looks as if they would never actually remove uh, the subviews. And I did I also found another one which not only failed to remove subviews, but uh, recursively descended through an entire view hierarchy. So it could incur some performance penalty. Um, in general, though, you're not going to get the behavior you're expecting if you use those particular libraries. Uh, I think that is kind of a, a metaphor for things that could have much higher impact. Like if you are using OpenSSL, do you know that it's encrypting everything safely, correctly, not leaking information? or other implementations that are achieving the same kind of encryption. Uh, so I think it's sort of a cautionary tale uh, as well. So aggregating all these libraries and helping people save time, that seems like a good thing. What, why, is there, why is there drama? A big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iFreaks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration delivery and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with App Center, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the level of drama is necessarily so high, but there is certainly a lot of discussion and questions being asked. Uh, when you talk about something like strings and Unicode, there are lots of corner cases. And uh, the very first response to that particular pitch post was a corner case, you know, where you can, you can create a, a grapheme from a, a space and a, a cute accent uh, uh, using Unicode. And people want to know, well, should this be trimmed out or should it not be? Is it technically white space or not? So, and so I think with some of the things that we could explore um, that this tool turns up, you'll get a lot of corner cases. And because it's open source and, the, and because there's already such a rich community, you're just going to run into a lot of design by committee problems where um, you know, we have people coming from all different countries with different native tongues, and they're going to want to word things differently or name things differently. And I, I think that's going to, I don't know how to characterize that challenge for Swift today, but I think that's a hard problem to solve. You mentioned an extension on UI view, and uh, I, I find that interesting because we're talking about Swift and its standard library, right? So if we wanted, UI view to have a remove all subviews method, 
that should be a radar, right? Yes, and that's a good point. Uh, one of the suggestions that Erica made to me uh, right after the talk was that I should just ignore anything that's not in Swift Foundation. Um, but I, I did want to leave it in as a just again as a metaphor for how we can have this collection of functions named the exact same signature, uh, but they could have a wide variety of behaviors. Uh, so going forward, I'll be, I filtered out anything that appears in the Cocoa Touch frameworks like UI view, CI image, um, CL location manager, so on and so forth. And are you thinking about maybe filing radars for that? Because you do have a lot of data that proves that they are very useful for the community. It's not something I've done yet, uh, but I could definitely generate a list of things to file. And at least in theory, that would probably be a lot easier than posting these discussion <laughs> posts on the forum. That's right. You file a radar and you never hear from it again. So that'd be pretty easy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> of course, there is the wonderful um, open radar system, which is a open source system where people can share the radars and help duplicate the ones that they care about. And we should use the Brisk app for that. Yeah, Brisk. Yeah, right. Yeah. And for people unfamiliar with Brisk, can you talk about it for a second? I can talk about it. Brisk is an open source app that, that it's a Mac app, native Mac app that lets you file radars without going to radar.apple.com. It runs in the menu bar. I think you can set a keyboard, a global keyboard shortcut to bring it up. Uh, it It's the same kind of thing as open radar, which was, is another app that does that. Open radar might be broken now. I don't know, but um, these all rely on, I think sort of an unpublished API for interacting with Apple's web services, but it's just a nice, uh, just removes uh, friction involved in filing radars, which hopefully means people file more of them. Um, I've been using it lately. Yeah, and you can easily duplicate existing radars, which is nice. Yeah, so it makes it easy to duplicate radars. And another thing that it will do is easily, or, you know, it'll it'll publish your radar to Open Radar at the same time as it sends it to Apple's radar, so that way you can easily share it with other people. So, Andrew, this is pretty much your first time really jumping into the Swift evolution process. Can you tell us <laughs> how did that go? What did you think? What was it like for someone, you know, coming from outside, going into that arena? It's a little intimidating to me. Uh, I remember when it was first announced that Swift to be open sourced and a lot of the mailing lists were introduced. I signed up to all of them and was immediately crushed with email. Um, so then I unsubscribed from them. Um, and since then, I haven't really gotten in. I haven't followed it closely. So yes, this, this was quite a shock from my normal operating <laughs> mode, where I again have a lot of, uh, a lot of responses to read. And I, I wouldn't, I, it's rightly so that there are a lot of discussions around these sorts of things. Uh, in the end, we we just want to get all of these things right. So I would never I would never discount or discredit a question somebody brings to the table. That being said, it's a lot for one person to handle. <laughs> and I actually I just discovered today that Discourse will put a little uh, summarize this post link uh, on these long threads because the one talking about string trimming has reached around 65 replies already. 
that's a lot of reading and a lot of details to keep in your mind. Um, the summarizing is okay. It would be, it would be nice, uh, you know, for me, since, you know, I'm kind of responsible for this, this post to keep a running tally of just all of the points that were brought up, some of the responses to each one. Uh, but doing the work to actually structure all that knowledge is, is no small feats. So you mentioned briefly about trimming, which is, was really probably the most popular API out there. And you've used it as a test case to see if a community-driven proposal could gain traction. It's now been about a week or so. What do you think? Do you think a community-driven proposal that comes from this kind of survey will get the attention and possibly inclusion into the language? I think it's it's a very compelling piece of evidence to bring to the table. Uh, I'm, I had done a search to see if someone else had already proposed a trim uh, since it's, uh, it's found in so many other languages, uh, and I couldn't find one. Now, if somebody had made one and then you wanted to compare that effort to this one, I would say that having that evidence is, is you know, just one point in favor of, of many possible points. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question by saying I think it's a valuable piece of information to have uh, for the proposal process, but I, I wouldn't say it's only valuable for the proposal process. I think it's helpful for us all to understand kind of what is the possible what are the possibilities working with swift what exists out there now and in general how to how to approach your development process uh if you're uh, if you make developer tools how do you distribute them how do you even down to things like how you word your apis or documentation so i think it it could be educational as well as um, just a tool for proposals. Does that answer the question? <laughs> I think that's a great answer. <laughs> Are there things that you would like to query this tool or this knowledge base for? Like, do you have you ever written an extension uh, or a utility and thought, I wonder if someone else has done this, but just not felt like you just didn't quite feel like you could get the answer to that question? I am not aware of any other survey like yours. And I think that's why I was so excited to see it and to push on it so hard. And I did put a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, so the, uh, this is kind of along the lines of the question I was trying to put together. Um, I, I've never put together a utility library like this and and... I, I don't want to have the discussion now, but I, I'm actually probably in the camp that thinks that they're mostly not a good thing. But I certainly have added little, you know, methods and categories or extensions to to do the same kinds of things that are in uh, in this library. And and sometimes those are the kind of things that I find, you know, like I what one that comes to mind is being able to do base sixty four encoding on um, some NS data, which I think might be in the in the framework now but but wasn't always and you know you google it you find a stack overflow answer and it's the kind of code that's just super easy to copy and paste and not really think that much about and um, i think even even a lot of developers who don't you know do that as a regular thing in, in their development work 
will do it with these really small snippets that they just don't really want to spend a lot of time thinking about. But of course, they're opening themselves up to getting an implementation that's not great. So beyond just being able to query for, you know, lots of implementations and see what other people have done, it might be nice, even you know, even if they're not going to end up in the in the sort of swift evolution process and end up in the in the language, it might be kind of nice to have sort of a semi-official list. And I think there's been some discussion on Swift evolution about having a having support for I don't know what you call them like non-official or or official libraries that are not part of the standard library. The term is just not uh, coming to me. But the one that we've been jokingly using is we call it the substandard library. Oh right, yeah. So I know Dave DeLong put out a proposal for this, and um, anyway. I think that's an interesting idea. This 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 kind of survey might actually be pretty useful in, in terms of guiding that kind of an effort. It could be called the extensions library or something. Yeah, and so, certainly what that proposal is talking about goes far beyond just simple utility frameworks. Um, but it certainly you, you could have a, a utility framework or multiple utility frameworks that were part of the, the substandard library project. And I think that's interesting. In a variety of languages, there are both blessed libraries like the standard library and semi-blessed libraries. And you see this with Ruby, with Python, with Perl, and a bunch of other places where there's not just a package manager, but there's kind of a canonical set of libraries that don't necessarily ship directly, but they are covered in the umbrella of the of the language maintainers. And I think what you've been talking about, it comes very close to that with the substandard library, the idea that there are packages that meet certain levels of community vetting, such as Vapor, for example. Yeah, so Vapor, you know, one one of the server-side frameworks hopefully will kind of end up in this position eventually. But you can think of like big number libraries or date libraries. There's a lot of these really common problems that are maybe not so uh, non-controversial as to be worth shipping in the in the standard library or with the language. But, you know, so many people need to solve them that we might as well come up with blessed implementations of them. Yes, I think that's a neat idea. And... On and on top of that, we've got the dependency management. You know, we've got a lot of tools for that. But I think one of the things that leads to people doing uh, these implementations over and over is just discoverability. Um, so you can use these. You can use Swift Package Manager, but you need to know already what you want. Um, so just a way for for people to be made aware of the libraries that are out there, whether it's through this uh, substandard library. Uh, mechanism being blessed in or or otherwise even just solving discoverability a little bit could help save people time so you mentioned you researched extensions mostly uh, did you look into custom types for instance the famous result type that everyone has on their project and is not part of the standard library yet I have all that information. I 
when I do the analysis of the abstract abstract syntax trees, I pull all declarations. So every value type, every class, and then particular to extensions, I grouped all the declarations each extension scope contains to just to preserve that information. I'm not using it yet. Just like I'm not actually doing any analysis on all the enums that have been declared and so on. It's definitely something I'm thinking about. I don't have a clear path towards what I want to know yet from that or how to get there. But it's certainly something I would like to do. As a side note, how do, how are you collecting this data? Like, how are you processing it? Uh, what what languages are you using? What tools? Okay. It's a collection of Ruby scripts. And once I've parsed the abstract syntax trees, I extract all the declarations and store it all in JSON. And then I, uh, at the very frontier of the work where I haven't automated anything in scripts yet, I'm just munging that data with JQ um, and uh, the Silver Searcher to do textual search through the repositories. Okay, so you're creating your own syntax tree? Are you using anything like sorcery or anything like that? Uh, the syntax trees are, are output by Swift compiler. Okay. So you're using Ruby to drive the Swift compiler? That's right. Um, now that part, I know a lot of things probably aren't the most efficient way to do things, <laughs> uh, but that's currently how it's being done. You must be a Ruby programmer if that's why you chose it. I have used Ruby for a long time for wrangling large data sets. Um, just the, the string processing and the file and directory traversing are at least familiar to me. I don't know if that means they're easy or good, uh, but it's what I'm used to. You don't want to use Swift for all the string processing? Oh, I, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, <laughs> or, or maybe it's a good thing. It, it's just not quite where I want it to be yet. I need to make a few I, more proposals. <laughs> I, that was a completely a teasing question. I would not want to do that kind of thing in Swift either, and, and hopefully that changes eventually. Right now, strings in Swift are not exactly fun. So we need an extension to do Ruby-type string wrangling in Swift. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, the top the top thing in his survey was trim. There we go. It would be uh, it would be interesting to see what this sort of thing turns up that already exists in other languages, like trim. Of course, that's a huge amount of work on the on the side of gathering all the other language features, um, and also just to note. Um, this is being done on Swift, but it would be interesting to see it done for other languages too. And then maybe that way you could kind of delineate, uh, you know, what, where the parity is between different programming languages. So this is about the time when we wrap up the show and what is normal for us. And I don't think we warned you about this, Andrew, but we do something we call picks and we ask everybody about just something interesting that they have a passion for for the week um it doesn't have to be related to computers i know mine isn't and um we're just going to go around and we'll take you last so that you have a little time to think about how does that sound that sounds good okay so let's start with um our other andrew want to automatically build test and release your ios and mac os apps try app center Connect your repo within minutes, build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. 
Spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Visit appcenter.ms and get started for free. All right. I've got uh, two picks today. My first pick is a little weird, but uh, it's been on my mind, and that is modern medicine and antibiotics. I don't think I remember the last time I needed to take antibiotics, but I've had a pretty bad sinus infection the last week. And which is it's the first time I've had a sinus infection in my life that I can think of. And man, it has not been fun, but I got on some antibiotics and am doing much better. So I'm grateful for them this week. And you to make sure you take your entire course, right? Yeah, I would rather not become a big festering pile of antibiotic resistant bacteria. So and I will definitely take my whole course. And your second pick? My second pick is a little more on topic, and that is um, a, a project called Tick80. It's uh, a fantasy computer, um, and what a fantasy computer is is it's it's actually an emulator, but it's an emulator for a computer that never really existed, um, and it's for making it's basically for making and playing games. So it's kind of you know in terms of power and capability, it's something like an eight bit computer from the eighties, but it comes with development tools that make it really easy to, to create your own games for it. And, um, it's, it's similar to another project called Pico eight, which I may have picked in the past. Uh, one of the things that I think is cool about tick 80 is that you can program it in a language called Ren W R E N, which is, I think a nice little object oriented scripting language. So those are my picks. Okay. Excellent. Let's move on to Jane. What are your picks for this week? Okay, I've got one pick. So I've been watching a little bit of Netflix lately, and I stumbled across a show that many listeners are probably familiar with, but many are probably not. Uh, I just finished Black Mirror, which is a updated take on The Twilight Zone meets Stephen King. Um, very well done. I just finished all four seasons. I went through them fairly quickly. I don't do the whole binge-watching thing, but I will watch it a number of times throughout the week. So it took me a little while. Um, very well done. We have to talk about the first episode, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I was just going to say. Um, the whole point of the first episode is going to be clear in the first five minutes. And if you want to skip it, uh, go ahead. Um, if you don't skip it, don't blame me. But you can start episode two and, and just keep going. I'm not going to get yeah, into I what's happening. I think the main thing there is the first episode. If you watch the first episode and you're put off, tr try the second one. The first episode is definitely in a, a league of its own. And everybody says either don't watch the first episode or don't watch it first or something. But yeah, you start with the second episode. Yeah. I've only seen one episode and that's the Star Trek one. Oh yeah. I like that one. That, that I thought it was one. amazing. Yeah. It talk, I mean, it goes through topics like what are the implications of being able to copy someone's consciousness and put it somewhere else, like in a alternate universe and things like that. And as geeky stuff, you know, Twilight Zone today, dealing with social media and things like that, but uh, very well done. Um, each episode is its own world. You have to figure out what's going on and uh, I can recommend it highly worth your while, worth your while if you have time to watch TV. So check out Black Mirror. That's my pick. That's an excellent one, too. Okay, we're going to move to Brazil. And Guy, what do you have for us? I have one pick, and it's the dailywtf.com. And as you can see by the name, it's a funny website. And 
it's a how not to guide for developing software. So it collects horror stories from software developments, from bad and inexplicable coding choices, all the way to uh, spectacular, spectacularly bad project management and that sort of stuff. And it's a lot of fun. All right, my pick for the week is the live video feeds from the Kilauea Lava Flows. They are awesome. How often do you get to see nature so spectacular in just real time? It is astonishing and it's happening. And if you're not looking there, it's really worth a visit. And Andrew, have we given you enough time to think of your pick? I've thought of one. Uh, one of the newsletters I was subscribed to um, for a while it kept me thinking about this uh, project, and it's called Public Extension. Uh, I don't think it's been updated in a little bit, but I think maybe if I or enough listeners uh, would submit new extensions, we could get that thing going again. It's a, new, a weekly newsletter that they uh, would profile just a, a simple extension function for Swift. All right, then. I want to thank everybody for um, listening to iFreaks, and we're going to say goodbye. Um, Andrew? It's been great being here today to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Other Andrew? It was great to talk to you, Andrew, and, and everyone else. See you next week. James? We'll see you all next week. Gee? We'll see you all next week. That's what I said. <laughs> and a goodbye from Denver. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.